Each rookie receiver is moving up draft boards late in the game. Is one NFC North rushing attack destined to be the dreaded committee for the next few years? And which former Clemson receiver does current Clemson wideout T. Higgins compare closest to? Plus, two-time 2019 FFPC Dynasty winner Nick Sayers joins us to talk about the new quarterbacks throwing to Keenan Allen and DJ Moore, what he got back in return for Mike Williams, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Dave Gerzak is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Let's begin now. New cologne on. Feeling so good. Change the color to my phone. Orange Kool-Aid go good with Patron. Oh, hell no. It's still my ringtone. Free car watch. Had to clean up the dodge. Get back when I can. Just playing my part. Church folks had a fist fry. Mustard. Hot sauce. Light bread. Fist fry. Love for the big guy. Hit the park. Blowing. Showing off their house. Nappy roof on the radio. And you know it about last night to hit the big three. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Hey, thanks so much, Rob. Greetings and salutations to all of you Balkaholics and Gerzak and addicts. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I am, of course, your slightly above-average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host, is, as always, the patron hit saint of fantasy football, the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak. On the show tonight, we're going to talk about what first-round pick is officially on holdout watch. Talk to a guy who won two FFPC high-stakes dynasty leagues last year, Nick Sayers, about his thoughts on LaVisca Chenault, Emmanuel Sanders' effect on his teammates' fantasy production, and much more. Shout-out to the chat room right now. You guys can post any questions you might have in there if you want to connect with us on Twitter. We are at HSFFOR, at Eric Balkman, at Dave Gerzak on Twitter. Facebook.com slash HSFFOR is where to reach us there. Give us a call, 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. You can also email the show at the inbox, highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. We'll try to get to all the chat room questions, tweets, and emails in the fantasy feedback segment coming up later on in the show. The audio engineer and my best friend is Bryce, the mutual, uh, excuse me, our mutual friend and producer is Rob uh, behind the glass tonight. I want to remind everybody, in case you missed the FFPC newsletter that went out today, uh, updates are available on both the FFPC iOS and Android apps. So whichever one you are using, make sure you're downloading that. We have a big FFPC app coming probably within the next month or so. We want to get it um, ready to go for drafting season this summer. Uh, but we have uh, some, some new updates as we continue to tinker and uh, modify and change and really improve the app based on your feedback uh, that you send us. So those are available. Make sure you download those uh, either at the, um, uh, at the App Store or, or uh, the uh, Android site on myffpc.com. The link's are in the newsletter. You can go on, uh, just search FFPC Android app. That's going to bring it up as well. Best ball slim leagues, other best balls active. The FFPC main event early bird, make sure you're taking advantage of that and saving on your main event teams and dynasty startups available. Dave, I didn't even see. I know we had a couple available uh, that are going off live on Wednesday night. I'm not sure if those are full yet or not. We had two of them scheduled, I believe, for 9 p.m. Eastern. 
dynasty startups? Oh, um, the 77 still has like six spots left. I don't think the 250 is going to fill. Okay. So probably so, just the 77. So basically, if you want to draft a dynasty startup before the NFL draft, that 77 is your last opportunity to do so, and then we'll have plenty of dynasty startups going on after the NFL yeah, draft. The 27th, well. there's a lot of them going on. Slow, yeah. Those are actually yeah. going with the slow ones. We don't, do we have a whole lot of live ones after the NFL draft? until like I, Just late August, early September. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. All right, so that's what's going on there as far as dynasty startups. Startups go. I want to thank Football Guys, Road World, and Rob for tonight's rundown. Here's the big news of the week, and it's not often that we get the consensus 101 in the news, but that is exactly what happened. The Panthers have signed Christian McCaffrey to a four-year extension worth $64 million. Christian McCaffrey um, was obviously going to be with this team long-term, given what they uh, sank into him. But the question is, was this the right move for Carolina to um, to to give uh, a running back all this money when some of these other deals like Todd Gurley, like Le'Veon Bell have not worked out. They have made him a cornerstone of the franchise. And obviously we'll see what happens with Joe Mixon and Alvin Kamara, how this affects it. But Dave, you look at this, is there any, I know there is. Okay. Let me rephrase this. I know there's some, how nervous are you about Christian McCaffrey getting this money and then not working out like many of the running backs that have gotten paid over the last couple of years uh, have not worked out. Uh, he's a little bit younger than those other guys, and he's got a good work ethic. Uh, the, the team is talking a little bit about using him less, and it is a new, you know, front, a new coaching staff front office. I don't know if the front office is the same, but the coaching staff's different. So they made, they're saying they're not going to run him into the ground as much, which – as a McCaffrey owner in a lot of dynasty leagues, I'm actually pretty happy about that. I feel I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, no, I, I think that's what you want. I mean, you don't want over usage because just normal usage with McCaffrey is going to get you a ton. Um, I, I have not changed my dynasty valuation on McCaffrey based on this. Uh, before the the deal, after the deal, he's still. I, yeah. I would still give him up for the same. I would still take him for the same. I mean, where could you even? Where could someone even move him? I can't. I can't even understand. Because he's untradeable, basically. I mean, not that he's untradeable, but it's just that he's worth so much. You just need, like, the number one at two other positions probably. Or right, something. yeah. Or the number two at running back and the number one at another position or something in that neighborhood. Because the difference between McCaffrey and Barkley is even on a points-per-game basis last year was massive. Yeah, it really was. I couldn't believe – did you see the um, the snap differential between McCaffrey and Elliott? Uh, Elliott was number two. McCaffrey was number one. No. It, was, it was over 100 snaps last year oh, wow. that McCaffrey no. played more than, than uh, Elliott. But he seems to be handling it with aplomb. He is still catching passes. Um, went, uh, you know, 1,000, 1,000 last year. So I don't think this necessarily – you know, the good part about this is I don't have to make the decisions on giving the money to McCaffrey. Uh, but this, as far as his dynasty value goes, uh, doesn't really affect me a whole lot. Uh, let's talk about Denzel Mims, uh, rookie receiver that – one of my favorite rookie receivers in this class. Ian Rappaport actually – I think this was yesterday his report came out. But apparently Mims played through a broken hand last year. He is extremely big. He is very fast and probably is going to go, uh, go in the first round, mocked often by many pundits – to the Green Bay Football Packers. He first did, round, huh? First round, yeah. Huh. He did, what? What is I that? Mean, are you going to bet it? <laughs> Do you want to? I will. I mean, don't we have another? Don't we have another? Justin one? Jefferson is the other one. I'm going to get paid on that I'm one. Not, you know, Balky, no, all no, your wide no, receivers that you say are going to the first round, they all can't go there. No, but Jefferson and Mims will. Oh, really? Well. All right. So here's, so I will, I will give you a sporting chance on this one. I will say Mims goes 
somewhere in the first round of the 2020 NFL draft, and I got five on it. I got five on it. It's 50, you know, we're just doing no odds on this one. Right? No odds, All yeah. Right, even money. I got five on it. You know, the other thing, too, is like with Mims, I think this truly is uh, a 50-50 thing because yeah, I could I easily so. see him so. slipping to the, to the second round. But don't you think – I think this is telling because one of the red flags that Mims had in 2019 was all the drops. But if he was playing through a broken hand – wouldn't you assume that he'd be dropping the football a little bit more than he should? Uh, I, I think the fact that he was tough and he played through the injury says a lot about his um, mentality as a player. You sound like his uncle or his mom or something. You know, like, oh, dude, I'm the president of the Denzel <laughs> Mims fan club. I will yeah. tell you, there's the my favorite receiver in this draft is Denzel Mims, my favorite running back in this draft, and I know I've got my garnet and gold-colored goggles on, but Cam Akers is my favorite running back, and I bet I get a good number of shares of them in Dynasty drafts this year. I'm loving up Mims. Um, how do you do – you I know you don't put on any rookie rankings, but is he like a top five receiver in this class for you? He's definitely up there. I've, I've watched his film, and uh, he looked really good. His film – granted, I'm not going to sit and go through all the game tape. Like, you know, God bless Matt Walden. He does a great job with his rookie scouting report. Uh, but I watched the highlights, and his highlights looked pretty damn awesome. He's good. He's good. Did you watch any of them uh, in, at the Senior Bowl or anything after that? I didn't watch combine? any of stuff, no. He lit up the combine. I saw the, I saw the combine numbers. Yeah. yeah. He's, and he's big, too, for the numbers he put up. I'd be, I, you know, I don't know his speed score or anything like that. By the way, do you use speed score for wide receivers? Is that more a running back stat? It's more of a running back stat, but they've um, – Rotoviz used to do height-adjusted speed score, and I think they still kind of do. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff going right. on over there. Okay. So, uh, that's one – I mean, it, it matters. Yeah. Also, I think being a receiver over 205 pounds was another thing that they were big on, that that's a kind of – Generally speaking, it's a good indicator. Weight is a big thing, and I, he is over 205. Yeah, he is. Yeah. That's worth. yeah, he's 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 a mon- monstrosity. Uh, he, I, I really like him. I think he is going to be a stud in the pros based on, you know, and it's so funny, you know, we've been doing um, uh, these draft spotlights on my afternoon show, and it seems like everybody we've shown the spotlight on is a guy who November or December people were talking about as a day three pick, and now all of a sudden they could be a first rounder. Mims is one of them. And Mims is a guy that, you know, at the start of the college football season last year, nobody was talking about as probably like a day two pick. And then he just absolutely crushed it throughout the 2019 season. He did even better in the all-star games and, and, and the combine. And now you're looking at, you know, late first, potentially early second round pick, hopefully late first, since that will net me a cool five bucks. Well, I mean, when you look at CD Lamb versus Denzel Mims, Mims is, 6'3", 216, Lamb is 6'3", 195. So you're talking about Lamb is more like A.J. Green type right. size. And it's a, it's a pretty different BMI. I mean, you're, then you're looking more at a Terrell Owens type size for Mims. And you don't get a lot. Those are They get those size and speed specimens like that. You just don't see them very frequently. You know who Bob McGinn is? Do you remember him at all? Yeah, the journalist for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. I used to get the paper. I lived right. in Milwaukee, yes. Okay, so now he started, a couple of years ago, he started his own website, BobMcGinnFootball.com, I think is what it is. But he still interviews. He has all these contacts with all the um, the, the scouts and, and everybody he's talked to. Right. And I read a lot of the stuff that he had, and the overwhelming viewpoint and this is how it's going to contribute to dynasty owners here the overwhelming viewpoint from a lot of these scouts is they don't believe there is a julio jones and aj green and calvin johnson in this draft but they believe that it's as deep as it as it ever has been now the reason i bring this up is because one of the scouts said specifically why would you take one of these wide receivers in the teens of the first round when you can get a quality guy in the second round that's not too far off from them 
And if that's the case, Dave, if for dynasty drafts, if you're loading up on late first, early second round picks, you could really make a killing in this as much as somebody who has a top three or a top four pick. You know, Jerry Judy at the 102 or 103 is awesome, but Denzel Mims at the 110 may not be that far of a drop-off. It reminds me a lot of actually the 2014 draft. Um, I targeted Allen Robinson in a lot of drafts. He went in the second round, pick 61. I remember the Fantasy Sharks draft. I took him at, I think, the 108 or 109 pick. Yeah, uh-huh. And it was considered a reach because he was going more like in the 201, 202 range. But I was, I was super excited. I know he didn't have a great 40 time. It was like a 4-6, but he had that great elite three-cone drill and uh, with great production. And, and he's been a really good player. So I, I think... I think you're right. I think you're going to see it, it go really deep this year. And the, what also make just a comment on that, what made that so ballsy too, was Robinson wasn't even the first receiver drafted by his team that year. He was a late second-round pick. I believe the Jags took Marquise Lee in the mid-second round in 2014. Well, that's right. That's right. So, so you're taking, you know, that's, which, I mean, it worked out really well. Marquise Lee's career has been uh, derailed by injury. Wasp guy chiming in in the chat. He wants to know CD or Judy. I am a CD guy. Uh, I, I think these guys are neck and neck, but if I gun to my head, I'm going to take Lamb over Judy based on um, a lot of the stuff I've read. By the way, I, I'll let you answer this question, then I have another thing I want to bring up about the Wonderlick this year. I probably won't end up with either of them. Um, I guess Judy probably I would mean, but yeah. it, it's, I, I, I kind of, I'm more like at the end of the first round is where I'm looking at. So right. I, think I'm, I think I'm more interested in players that are going to fall to that spot. I am totally with you, man. Trade down, trade down, trade down. Um, did you see the Wonderlick scores for the quarterbacks that got released? McGinn no. had this, by the way. No, I didn't. The bottom two quarterbacks, as far as Wonderlicks, it was like 13 and 15. Tua, Tua Tagovailoa was last with a 13. Second to last, former Alabama quarterback Jalen Hurts. So the two Alabama quarterbacks had the two lowest Wonderlick scores. So is, that, is that why Ella can go to Alabama insert, for free? Insert joke here. Is it, that's why, I'll, that's I'll why leave it at that. Meyer's kid can go to Alabama for free. All <laughs> right. of our kids can go to Alabama. Yeah. Your, your son can go to Alabama yeah, for free. Yeah, he probably could, yeah. He might even be able – well, he can't play Did quarterback. Did you take the ACT there. and score in the 20s or higher? Welcome to Alabama. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's it. What a, um, what a well, I got an 18. Well, we'll scooch you in. Got a half scholarship. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, let's talk about the athletics. Uh, Paul Daner Jr.'s report about Joe Mixon. Apparently, he's, quote, prepared for a holdout if the Bengals and him can't agree on a long-term deal. Now, we're quite a ways off from the start of the NFL season. The Bengals drafted two running backs last year, something that, that we should bear in mind. Um, I, yeah, two crappy ones. Uh, they weren't great. Yeah, it's not like they soaked a high pick in them. Although I still own Travion Williams in the Gridiron Legends League. Fingers <laughs> crossed on that one. I, I think Rodney, was it Rodney Anderson? Rodney Anderson was he, the, he's the Oklahoma guy. He's getting scraped off the bottom of a few cut lists when people are yeah. like, getting rid, rid of players. Well, the thing is with Anderson, there is no question of his talent. He's coming off the ACL tear, and now he's a year removed from that. So, so. what do you think? you like him? What about Bryce no. Love? you like him too? No, I'm not, I'm not. You know, for me, like, with – I guess I just view the running back position as a young, healthy man's position. And once you tear up a knee, you're going to go down on my board. Um, and, and it's just, or once you get old, you're going to go down on my board. So I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm going to take a younger, healthier guy. I mean, excuse me, I'm going to take a healthier guy because they're both still pretty young. But I'm not in on Bryce Love or Rodney Anderson at all. Uh, you know, that's a good policy for like a sperm donor too. I think you know, I think if you're you know, if you can't can't you know produce kids, that you should want you know young healthy guys. What you're looking for? It's a great point, my friend. Yep. All right, so let's talk about this from a Joe Mixon standpoint because, you know, if if you listen to the not that I want to keep uh, promoting their podcast, but I do uh, because it's great. The um, Chasing the Helmet podcast with Scott Connor and Jay Reed. 
Uh, where do they find that? What? That podcast. Where do you find it? Oh, you can get it on Apple Podcasts. It's basically anywhere Are you download. Spreaker, Stitcher. I don't know about Spreaker, that. Is Spreaker the same as the Rupier Company? Uh, no, it's not. Oh. That's By the way, Dave. Is that Sprecker? That's Sprecker. Not Spreaker. I'm going to bring this up right now. <laughs> um, I didn't tell you this, and you're going to make fun of me, but I don't care because I'm proud of it. That's why I'm here. The high 45 stakes, minutes to go, I'm going to make fun the whole the time. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Wait, are you ranked in the top 100 no, 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 no. podcasts now? No, but Do some, they have 100? some other podcasting networks accepted the HSFFR. <laughs> oh. So I'm going to bring this up. From A to Z. You should do like from A to Z or whatever. Do you want me to name all of them, or should I just name the new ones? Yeah, name them all. Be okay. kind of I mean, Apple, we do have a guest, right? We do. He's coming up. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Alexa, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn Radio, Spreaker, Podchaser, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Podbean, PocketCast, Radio Public, and Anchor. We are all on that's all. More than, that's more podcast spots that host us and downloads we probably get every week. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> but we're on all those now. So literally wherever you can find podcasts, I don't know if, if there's another one out there that we're not on. I, you know, I'll, I'll apply for it, but I, I think we're golden right now. Okay, so the whole thing is, is mixing right now. So does this give you any pause? I mean, he's going as running back seven at the 109 in FFPC drafts. Uh, Connor Reed, the re- reason I brought up them is, is Scott's actually a little bit down on Dalvin Cook for a potential holdout. How much stock do you put in this when you're drafting this early about these guys maybe missing part of um, the, the training camp or the preseason or maybe the start of the regular season? Uh, well, if I have another player almost identical to Mixon ranked, I, I guess I would, that could be a tiebreaker. But I don't, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I doubt that, I doubt that he holds out. Okay, I especially with the whole the whole COVID nineteen stuff going on, it's just just be happy you're getting a check and that there might be a season. I had the opportunity. I was drafting a couple of weeks ago. I had the opportunity to take either Dalvin Cook or Alvin Kamara, and I took Kamara over Cook for that reason. I've never been a big Mixon guy. Is there a more polarizing guy on Twitter? fantasy Twitter than Joe Mixon right now. It's like everybody either hates him or loves him, and there's nobody in between. The people who love Mixon, they like him more than, like, the McCaffrey or something. It's oh, weird. yeah. It's, a, it's insane. Well, I would never trade Mixon for anything. It's like, okay. Um, they're on a, what about a, for McCaffrey? Well, yeah. I mean, I would do He's on a terrible team with a bad quarterback. and uh, You know, but he's, he's talented. I, I get the, the appeal. But he, I find one of these days he's going to have to put up the huge, huge numbers that they keep on promising. Yeah. No, you're totally right. He's putting he, up good numbers. but he is, It's good. Well, and the other thing to keep in mind, too, this year – Cincinnati could target an offensive lineman early, and they're going to have Jonah Williams, who I believe was the, the ninth overall pick last year, the tackle from Alabama, who missed the entire season because of the injury. He should sl- uh, step in and, and be a left or right tackle this year, so that's going to help Mixon quite a bit. Uh, what's going to help this show quite a bit? Bringing in our guest, which I want to do right now and introduce him. He uh, first started playing fantasy football with some law school friends back in 2003 uh, when he was always the guy with multiple spreadsheets attempting his own poor version of what we now call value-based drafting. Back in 2014, he discovered the FFPC, Dynasty, and high-stakes fantasy football, and he has never turned back. He still plays a handful of friendly redraft leagues, but more and more, he's grown a strong preference for dynasty leagues. He is the defending champion of both the FFPC 500 number 46 and 250-104 leagues, and is here to talk about those championships and more tonight. Please welcome into the show, Nick Sayers. Nick, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. It's good, good to be here. Good to be here. It's, uh, it's going to be exciting to talk a little dynasty fantasy football with you. I'm actually just curious right off the bat, for a guy who has been playing fantasy football for almost 20 years now, um, why have you been drawn more so to dynasty leagues as your main passion over redraft leagues? 
So I think it comes down to, like anything in life, evaluating your own skill set. And I think I do a better job of evaluating the actual talent of the player versus who's going to hit that year, looking at that this offense or that offense. Whereas redraft is more like calling your shots. The dynasty is like, I can if, if this guy has an off year for an injury because the offense is held back, whatever, I believe in this guy long term. And so I think, and I like the idea of that, like building off good decisions, trying to work through bad ones, et cetera. So. He's got, he's got the long game in mind. I really like that. Nick, we're going to get more into that and picking your fantasy brain. Before we get to it, can you tell the listeners uh, what you're doing for a living right now? Sure. Um, I actually have an interesting setup. I'm, I am an attorney, as you know, as I said, uh, starting with law school friends. Um, but I, I work part-time, and I'm a part-time stay-at-home dad. So I kind of have a mixed set of responsibilities, and uh, my work is very good about being flexible, which is uh, – not typical of most of my, my uh, former classmates from law school. Uh, most of them work a little bit different schedule than I do. But, uh, but I like the setup. Um, it, it gives me a lot of time to, you know, coach, volunteer, work in addition to the work, and, and just getting good time with the kids. So it's good. That's awesome. I love it. From a lifestyle perspective, that's fantastic. Yeah. I bet mean, your blood pressure is much better than your uh, law school uh, former classmates. <laughs> uh, you could say that. I would imagine so. I would imagine so. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the 546th league. You have Keenan Allen and the great DJ Moore uh, help you get there. They both have new quarterbacks thrown into them in 2020. So we're looking at what, Tyrod Taylor ball? Tyrod Taylor, yep. yep. Wow. Are you, concerned <laughs> with, are you concerned with either of those? You know, they're great players, but, you know, a lot of times, you know, you have quarterback changes, there's some struggles that go on. Are you concerned with either uh, Keenan Allen or DJ Moore having uh, production issues this year with the new quarterbacks? Sure. I mean, um, with with DJ, I think worst case, it's neutral. Um, I, I think there's only upside built in versus you look at his quarterback situation last year, you have a, a new offensive-minded coach, a great offensive coordinator coming in. Um, I really, you know, both in terms of trading, drafting, whatever, DJ Moore in his career arc, I think everything's just pointing up for him. Um Allen, it's, it's, there's some question marks, right? It's like, what kind of offense are they going to run? Is it going to depend more on the run with Tyrod being back there? Um, is there going to be the targets? You know, he's, he's kind of normally like a target monster. Uh, I, I just feel like he's someone ever since he had those freak injuries early in his career, people count him out. So I definitely think there's a chance it dips a little, but it wouldn't be much. And, I mean, there's also a chance with the type of routes he runs that, that you know, Tyrod, you know, ends up, you know, peppering him with those short area targets. Um, that, that he feels a little more comfortable with. You know, I I think both those quarterbacks. I mean, it's interesting, kind of what, what they bring to the game. Um, they, again, it's, it's fantasy versus real real NFL, right? Both of them, I think, are better NFL quarterbacks than fantasy quarterbacks. But uh, but I don't, I don't think. I mean, you could do worse. You could do worse. Um, and a rookie would probably be worse than Tyrod, I think, for for Keenan. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. Although I, I would say that if they. If if they do take Tungavailoa or, or Herbert or somebody like that, um, those rookie quarterbacks tend to zero in on one receiver. And if you're going to zero in on one receiver in that Chargers offense, it's probably going to be Allen over Hunter Henry. You know what I think is, you know, uh, Nick, as you were just explaining that, and, and feel free to disagree with me on this, I think what's going to be so telling for this Chargers offense is what they do in the first, well, really day one and day two of the draft, pr- primarily the first and second rounds, because if they end up drafting a running back, 
um, you know, maybe they trade up in the first, maybe they take one early in the second and get like a Jonathan Taylor or J.K. Dobbins or somebody like that. I think that's going to be telling because Anthony Lynn, who's a coach there, um, was a big believer in Tyrod Taylor when they were both in Buffalo. And that was one of the top rushing offenses in Buffalo. And Lynn has already on the record, gone on the record saying he believes in Tyrod Taylor, not just this year, but multiple years. And if that is the case and they draft a running back early, now all of a sudden I think you have to downgrade Keenan Allen. You have to downgrade Hunter Henry and the rest of the Chargers pass catchers and maybe look at, okay, this is going to be a Taylor-Eckler rookie running back, whoever it is, offense, and um, you, you have to temper expectations for the passing game there. I, I agree completely. So I think that that is the risk. I mean, if this is the situation long-term, and like I said, they change the style of play to suit his, him being a running a mobile quarterback – and, and it opened up the running lanes and focused on that. It would hurt Keenan, but I think um, in the same league, I, I know you guys, one of the things you mentioned to me was trading, like letting go of Mike Williams. It's not that I don't like him as a talent. I think part of the concern with the uncertainty at quarterback is I believe Keenan, while he could drop in value, would still have value, even with a drop. It would drop, but he would still be worth owning. We're starting most of the time. Um, Hunter Henry, um, while well, I don't own him on this team, I think with the, the standards for tight end being lower um, of what's a productive tight end, um, still potentially viable. But Mike Williams, I think, could be kind of – if they do go running, I mean, he's going to be – outside of best ball leagues, I think he has well, very little value until he ends up – or if he ends up on another team. Does that make sense? Yeah, let's – Yes, absolutely it does. And, Nick, I want to ask you how that trade came together because you, you end up parting with Mike Williams in exchange uh, for four draft picks, including the 205 this year. So were you shopping him around? Were you looking to deal him? Um, how did this come together, and, um, and why was it this package that sold you on um, it being a better decision to, to get rid of Mike Williams than keep him at that point? Sure. So I think this particular team, um, the blessing and the curse of being pretty deep. And I'm sure, as you guys know, um, well, during the season when people are com- competing for the playoffs, they're willing to pay a lot. But unless you're talking elite players, when it comes to the offseason, like you're good, you're solid players, they're not fetching much in terms of value. Um, I kind of had to make some cost-benefit decisions in terms of who to cut, um, who to trade, Um uh, all the people I cut, I had trade offers for, and I decided to cut instead with the idea being I've got the 206, depending on who falls, who I like in the draft, it's either going to push people back to me or they might be there for me to redraft. Um, the best offer I got was from Mike Williams. I think the best I got for Sterling Shepard was like a third, and I was like, honestly, I'd rather drop him than give him to someone for a third. Um, so, so the idea was trying to maybe get back some of the depth I had to drop or have that depth, if people wanted to take it ahead of that, push back um, more rookies to me at the 206, making it um, more valuable. And this year, more than others, I think the 206 is valuable. I I still think I would put Mike Williams as more than that, but not by so much that keeping the other players I was able to keep and um, and, and positioning myself, it was the the best option for me strategically, if that makes sense. No, it does. To let him go for that. Dave, the, um, the, I know this is FFPC stuff, but um, the 205 for Mike sure. Williams, just, just the 205 by itself, would, would you – because I think I probably would have rather had the 205 than Mike Williams, you know, alone, and to get those extra draft picks as gravy. I don't know if you feel the same way about that. Would you have given up Mike Williams for the 205? Um, I, I probably I wouldn't. I'm sorry. 
didn't know it was asking. No, go ahead. That, that, that's all right. <laughs> you, go you ahead. Go ahead. That's no. all right. No, it's no, it's pretty close. Uh, I've never, I'm not been a huge Mike Williams fan. So the 205 though, it busts a little bit more in half the time. So, but the other picks, you know, those can, those could hit too. They could. They definitely could. It just depends on what, how you, you know, what you feel about them. I'm, I'm not a huge fan overall. Never really been. Yeah, I, and and I think that's why I would have done it because I would, I, I think I've, I've seen what, what I need to see for Mike Williams, and now I'm like, okay, well let's, let's see what the 205 can bring me this year. So what? Uh, Nick, on cut down day, you know, you, talk, you talked a little bit about about uh, you cut uh, Gerald Everett and Sterling Shepard, and you kept Irv Smith and Anthony Miller. Were those uh, did you find those roster decisions to be difficult, keeping Smith over Everett and then uh, Miller over Shepard? Um, Smith over Everett to me was pretty easy. Um, I might I have, I have Mark Andrews as my starting tight end. I might have to wait another year for Irv Smith, but seeing what he could do with Kyle Rudolph still being a part of that offense um, and knowing, like, again, just like with Hunter Henry, the, the standards for a tight end being productive, a tight end one, are much lower than, you know, other positions. Um, and I think Irv Smith has shown the potential to at least be a solid tight end, if not more. So that, to, to me, between those two is easy, um, although I did not like cutting Gerald Everett because I, I do think, I mean, everyone's loving Higby. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Higby will be, it won't be a split, or maybe maybe even a split in Everett's favor. I think it's probable it's Higby, but um, that was tough to cut Everett. Um, Sterling Shepard, it's more about mouse to feed. Evan Ingram, if he's healthy, he might eventually be healthy in the season. Um, he's coming in this year, coming back. You had Slayton coming on. You have Sterling Shepard. Plus, I mean, it's the Giants. I could see them drafting another wide receiver. And so I just um, I was uncertain of Sterling Shepard's value. I didn't want to give him away for um, to someone for so cheap. I, I, when I started dyna, uh, doing dynasties at the cutdown, anything I could get for any player that I was going to consider cutting, I'd take. But now I've decided, like, if you're giving a windfall to a team, especially if it's a team that already looks pretty good, I'd rather just cut them and put them back in the draft pool, make them spend a draft pick, um, especially if I have uh, draft picks around there or in a similar you know frame where I might pick them back up or, again, he'll, he'll push someone to me. But uh, Anthony Miller versus Shepard, um, if it was in a vacuum, I like Shepard more than Anthony Miller. Um, but this is a team where my fifth wide receiver is Robert Woods. So I'm looking less at who's going to be my next starter and who's going to be a guy that could ascend in value if you look at, like, a stock. And I think the chances that Anthony Miller goes way up by the end of the year are greater than Stern Shepard. I think best case, Stern Shepard, is worth a little bit more or less than he's, what he's worth now. Miller, he could be worth next to nothing, or he could be your next kind of uh, exciting prospect you're talking about. Nick Sayers, a two-time winner, last year alone in the FFPC as far as high-stakes dynasty leagues go, joins the high-stakes fantasy football hour tonight. All right, let's talk about the Florida State portion of the program tonight. My favorite part of the I'm program. I'm going on break. Now, <laughs> I figured you were. One of the guys, uh, all, all kidding aside, well, some kidding aside, I guess, a guy I really like in this year's draft, uh, specifically Nick, is Cam Akers, the running back out of Florida State. He is a little bit undersized. I'll you know, I'll totally admit that. What kind of NFL career is he looking at for fantasy purposes? Because I feel like uh, with a lot of the pundits out there, um, you know, grouping these running backs together, he is right outside that, that top three, that top four in this draft, which is pretty loaded. Um, yeah, I, I think he is squarely in 
and I, I know he's your uh, he's your top guy. So you know, um, so but to me, the only sure thing in this draft, the only sure player is Jonathan Taylor. I'm a big believer in him. I think, and I think he's like, it, it, he's not he's not on the Barkley level, but he's in that next tier. Like he could with a Nick Chubb like running pedigree, he's going to be a talent that's going to be in the NFL for a while. The other, there's a lot of upside in the other guys, but um, there is a potential for bust. Uh, Akers definitely has a three-down skill set. Um, I, I, I don't think you could get, like, production is relevant in college, but you have to take everything in co- context. Obviously, um, you know, playing for, you know, LSU last year was a lot more favorable than playing for Florida State, who had one of, I think, the worst lines in the NFL, and he was still able to, to beat guys. Um, my questions with Akers would more come down to can he, can he pass block um, well enough to stay on the field for all three downs, and um, can he adapt his scheme? Um, I, know, I know in college he, he relied a lot more on, 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 I think, a gap scheme and athleticism. So the question is can, can he go to multiple different schemes? Was that just because that's what he had to do behind a bad offensive line? Or is that, you know, any kind of limitation? But in terms of, like, talent and pedigree, um, he was great coming out of high school, great in the college. I mean, he, he could very well be um, a three-down back in this league. He has all the potential to be it. And I think I put all those running backs besides Taylor in that second group, and he's right in that mix with, uh, with Swift, with, uh, with um, Dobbins, who actually I'm a little bit down on. I'm not down-down, but down compared to maybe him being the, the surefire three, which some people have. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so those guys. Let me answer this, Nick, um, because this is this has been something that has cropped up over the last month or so, both with fantasy and, and NFL uh, draft analysis. Why are you specifically down on Dobbins a little bit? Because some people will have him as their number one running back, and some people will have him quite a bit lower than that, Some you know, t- close to like the number seven or eight running back. What is it about Dobbins that has you concerned? It's 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 less concern and just I think he's more another guy in that mix, if that makes sense. Um, I I don't I probably won't draft him because he'll probably draft it above where I would draft him. Um, there, there'll be other people there who I might like better. Um, I I don't I don't dislike him. I just don't I just I'm not I'm not as excited I guess as you would think about him. He doesn't you know obviously um, he's coming out he doesn't have that. He's not, I don't think he's going to be the next Ezekiel Elliott or anything like that. Not that he has to be to be good. Um, but I, I think that's, you know, some of, some of the the, the, um, the idea behind him is, is he's kind of done all those same type of things. And I, I just um, – I kind of have him more like right in the mix with, with guys like Akers, with um, Edward Solaire, uh, just, just really in the mix. Um, and it would depend on landing spot and draft capital at this point. I mean, all those guys, I think – like the, the second tier guys all the way down, the tiebreaker at this point will be where do they land and are, and are they within like a half round of each other in terms of a uh, draft capital? Um, I, I, there's nothing that jumps out though that I that I, that I hate about him or anything. I mean, I, I think he I think he will probably be I, I, at least at least a play. He'll, um, you know, he'll have an opportunity to at least be um, two down back, and he definitely has pass catching ability. So I mean, I just I'm not. I don't think he's going to be one of those elite guys. I don't think he has any upside to be the elite guy. Now, Balky and I already placed a bet earlier about Denzel Mims. <laughs> right. He thinks he's going to be a elite guy. He thinks he's going to be drafted in the first round. Uh, <laughs> I, got five, I got five bucks that says he's not. So what do you – first of all, 
whose side of the bet do you prefer? And are you buying the hype on Denzel Mims? Um, so I, I do, I do like Mims a lot. Um, I, I think the, the biggest, uh, I, I did, and I did catch, uh, I, was, I was listening a little before I came on and I caught some of your conversation on that. And, uh, I think the, the biggest question in terms of whether or not he's a first rounder is not, if you ask me the question, what is he a first round talent? Yes. Without a doubt. Will he be drafted in the first round? remains to be seen just because it'll be interesting with so many good, so like a lot of really good, like I don't think there's any lamb and maybe Judy or they're ahead, but the rest of the guys, there's a lot of very good wide receivers. And then there's also a lot of good wide receivers. So what strategy, um, just like we do in fantasy, do teams take in, ter- in terms of like, sure, you know, can I get this guy here? Which they look at relative costs and things like that. Um, and planning their draft out. And so that could affect, I think, where he gets drafted. Um, but I definitely think in, like, most drafts, he would be um, at least the borderline, if not first-round talent. Um, all the physical tools you would want, um, you know, um, adequate, you know, college production, um, and, and, you know, dominating um, well enough on his team. Um, I, I think – and then, again, um, there were some questions as to um, – him in press coverage, but I think, uh, I mean, I, I know you guys, I think covered it or mentioned it, um, at the senior bowl, he had, you know, he was, he was, he was dominant. I mean, I mean, he just, everyone who he went up against, he was beating. I um, mean, those are, you know, most of those people, many of them at least are future NFL players. So, um, so I, I do think he will be great. Uh, where does he fit in the mix? I, I don't know about one, because I think, I mean, Lamb and Judy have just been so good for so long. It'd be tough for someone to leap hurdle them unless they land it like, the perfect situation and or were drafted before them. Uh, I, I kind of learned that lesson last year with A.J. Brown because every leg I drafted him, I was very happy. Every leg I didn't, I was, why didn't I draft A.J. Brown? I liked him before the draft. He was drafted well enough, even though it was going to run for his team. Talent, you know, rises. Talent does indeed rise, and it has been rising for the Clemson wide receivers over the last half decade. And there's another one in this year's draft, and it is T. Higgins. Oh, I'll bet that Higgins doesn't go in the first round, Balky. Yeah, that I'm not taking. Ah. That one I'm not taking. <laughs> Sorry, I, I can't do it. Ah, forget it. Um, when you – and I know Dave doesn't like doing this, so I'll ask the question here. How, as far as Clemson receivers goes, uh, Clemson receivers go, I should say, does T. Higgins compare closer to DeAndre Hopkins or is he more on the Sammy Watkins, Mike Williams scale? I, I, I would assume you're going to say somewhere in between, but which end is he closer to? Um, I, I'm going to have to say the Mike Williams or Sammy Watkins thing. Um, and, and I don't think that's necessarily a, a, you know, a death note. I, I think in the right – I mean, so we were even talking about Mike Williams earlier and kind of knowing what he is at this point. I don't think he's a bad receiver. I think Mike Williams on the right team would be a productive wide receiver. I think at times we've seen what Sammy Watkins can do. It's just a matter of him doing it consistently and injury issues and lots of other things. But, um, but Watkins, Watkins in terms of a talent is not a bad, I mean, would not be a bad thing. I just think DeAndre Hopkins is generational, right? You can only have, only, there are only so many of those guys playing at any one time. Um, and I don't think there's any, I'd be, I'd be very surprised if T Higgins was, generational um you know i think he could see himself becoming like an alshon jeffrey type he's very good in tight coverage um the the question is more and more in today's nfl um unless you have the right quarterback for that 
are you going to be as successful in fantasy or real life? Um, you, you need a quarterback who's willing to target you and has the accuracy to target you in those situations um, versus a lot of the spread offenses, which are more about, um, you know, route writing and speed to get wide open. So I think that would be the concern, the right situation for him. But I think he could be, you know, I think he's shown enough and he's been showing it for long enough that I think there's enough to be excited for him if he's in the right landing spot. Did that kind of answer <laughs> Yeah, no, it totally does. I mean, and, I, and I wanted to get I wanted to get your response on that, Nick, because uh, Dave is not, but I'm a huge Green Bay Packers fan, and he has been mocked to the Packers many a time over by many pundits out there. So I, I wanted to get the skinny on T. Higgins from a guy who knows what he's talking about for sure, um, because he could be playing opposite Devontae Adams in in 2020, no question. So Blocky, um, yeah, you're I, I, part of. Go ahead, go ahead. Actually, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Nick. Go ahead. Oh no, I it's, it's tough with not seeing, being, seeing each other, no one is going to kind of jump in. I didn't mean to. I was just going to say, no, I can right. see him. What would you say? Go ahead. Oh, I, I could see him um, being very much um, in the mode of a receiver that could succeed there. If you look at, um, oh, why am I drawing a name like right now on such a big name? Who was the Jordy Nelson. I could see him being, I mean, you look at Jordy Nelson, they're different in certain ways. But he was never – it was never so much about him being blown out wide open. But Rodgers knew he could trust him, and he, and he, he would give him a window. And so, you, I mean, Higgins, I think, could be – with a quarterback like Rodgers, I think he could be very successful. So that would make you happy, I'm sure. Yeah, it definitely would. If he turns out to be even like 70% of what Jordy Nelson was, that is a win for sure. Dave, what were you going to ask me before? I'm sorry. Uh, you know, you fashion yourself as like a local media person. I, so, I think other people fashion me as yeah, that. You're, yeah, whatever. That's your portrait. <laughs> so, like, with the COVID-19 thing going on, uh, I don't watch the local sports or anything like that. So, and you mentioned mocks, and I, all I like to do about mocks is mock mocks right. because yeah. they're stupid. Yeah. But mo- I think, it, has there been, like, way more mocks even than normal because of the, because there's no, nothing else for the right. sports people to talk yeah, about? Yeah, there's been a zillion of them. And let me tell you what the overwhelming <laughs> thing is in northeast Wisconsin. It seems like there's no question that the Packers will not be picking at 30. They're either going to trade up or they're going to trade into the second round. Why is that? Whatever. Be- because Brian Gutekunst, he's, been, he's done two drafts now. He's made three trades in the first round. And they believe that if there's a player they like, they're going to move up and get him. And if there's nobody falling to him, they're going to trade down in the second round and acquire more picks. That uh, that that's been we, sounds like every single team's flaw. Well, I mean, sports with every pick. But I can say that Gutekunst actually has executed it over the last two years. What's so. name? Gute. Brian Gutekunst. What is this? Some German German name? Something like a, that. His name is really annoying. You you know Nick Sayers. No, that's a good name. <laughs> that's a great name. It's like a, a short, brief, <laughs> smart. Right. One of the dudes I went to high school with, who I'm still friends with today, his cousin is the Packers GM, Brian Gutekunst. Pretty crazy. Small yeah, world. That's I, what we're living with. Sure that's not a great name either. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, Nick, back to you. you know, Gail Sayers, Nick Sayers. That's, great. that's perfect. It's a football name. So you're in a lot of, uh, you're in a lot of best ball dynasty leagues. Is, hey, by the way, any relation to Gail Sayers? No, funny enough, um, so I'm uh, <laughs> super white. Um, if you saw from the picture, but I did play a little bit of you young know, you football. Sound like a black would, guy. You sound black. Really? You white? I got, I got a baritone. I got a little, little baritone to me, huh? Um, but uh, some of the teams we would play, some of the coaches were always that way and would like, you know, joking. They'd be like, you know, Gail Sayers, Nick Sayers, Gail Sayers. Any relation? It was, it was, it was always a, a funny, funny moment that uh, that people would say that. I was pretty fast though, um, but uh, when I was nothing. <laughs> 
<laughs> you were more Brian Piccolo fans than Gale Davis fans. That's great. That's great. Now we can bring that moment back. Yeah. For you. Yeah. So anyway, back, back yes, to yeah. um, back down FPC. You play a lot of our dynasty leagues. You play best ball as well. Um, and actually, as the commissioner, it's interesting for me to hear just hear the feedback. Uh, I'd like to know a challenge you face that you don't normally face in standard leagues. And then I guess just in general, I, I mean, how do you like them compared to the standard ones? So I, last year was my first year starting the dynasty best ball. Um, and the main reason I did it is, uh, again, I was talking before about kind of my lifestyle, you know, very involved with the kids and stuff. And, man, rushing around with too, too many legs on Sundays, I was like, if I'm going to join any new legs, I, I'm, I really, for the most part, just want to do – I don't want to have to do the, line, the lineup changes, last-minute lineup changes, injuries, this, that, and the other. And so the best ball gave me a great opportunity for that. Um, the other part of it was uh, I, ha- I had some – a few teams uh, different years. In particular, last year I had a team that didn't even make the playoffs. That It was just – just an insane team. If you, if you, if you know, if you, if you saw it on paper, I had, I had Barkley, Dalvin Cook, Mixon, Calvin Ridley, AJ Brown, um, Mark Andrews, and I didn't make the playoffs. And I, it, it came down to missing a few last <laughs> decisions, stuff like that. Yeah, it was insane. Wow. It was, it was insane. And then of course, after being, you know, after doing all that, like I, you know, I was hoping to get the one or one, and I, and I lost like my first game in the, in the, in the, um, the, the first pick playoff in the playoff, the, the losers bracket. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, it was just one of those um, first team out of the playoffs and then lost my first one there, and it was like the 105. But anyway, um, <laughs> I think I, I, I like building the good deep rosters. I was talking before about the shift from dra- redraft to fit, um, dynasty in general. And, uh, and, and in some ways, um, you, there is some variance in terms of, like, uh, you know, high scores. But if you build a thoroughly elite roster, even, you know, as opposed to – it being the who do you start decision, it's more about the who did you acquire, who have you built up in your team. Um, and so I, I find that I have a lot of deep teams where I have some tough roster uh, or uh, starting lineup decisions, and I decided to give it a try, and I liked it. So I've, I've done a couple more this year. So um, oh, That's cool. In terms of that's challenges, um, in terms of challenges, I mean, I don't know. It, it's just it's a, it's a different strategy. I mean, um you know, I, I try to play around with, like, you know, between sometimes only running with one quarterback, sometimes with three, depending on who I had, um, defenses, kickers. Um, it just, it's just a whole different element. Um, it's different from the traditional starting lineup decisions, which uh, what I like, um, you know, I, I, I definitely had been burned enough that I was open to trying something that uh, I didn't have to make that again. <laughs> I think the the other thing, too, is, and I think this is why a lot of redraft best ball guys love it so much, is they're a believer, like you said, Nick, and this, I think, is, is, is a good um, analogy because of what you said about how, you know, you believe in your eye for talent and, and acquiring guys for the long game. And that's what dynasty best ball is. You know, you're, you're the GM. You're just acquiring the talent. You don't have to be the coach of, you know, well, do I start this guy? Do I bench this guy? You just acquire the talent, put them all out there, and let the chips fall where they may. And I think that's one of the big advantages of Dynasty Best Balls and what makes them so attractive. We have taken up so much of Nick's time tonight, Dave. One final question for him before we let him go and enjoy his weekend. Yeah, he's got to start billing people at the 10 o'clock hour. Yeah, no kidding, yeah. 10 o'clock central. Um, I get all right, uh, Nick, thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Change the yeah. diaper, billable hour, you know, whatever you have to do. Um, so last question, who is a player you're looking to avoid in dynasty rookie drafts 
And another guy you'll be targeting in rounds three or four as a sleeper. Ooh, I like this question, Bogey. Oh, good question. Good question. Um, so I think um, Zach Moss is someone who I think is getting overdrafted. I'm, I'm not off the top of my head familiar exactly how either of you feel about him. I just I feel like I don't know. I, he just he, he just has the feel of someone who who's going to look good, but then end up not amounting to anything. Um, I, I think there's some other running backs who could potentially have you know the right either fill a niche like an AJ Dillon or potentially be a three down guy like like a Deshaun Vaughn. But I, I just think Zach Moss is going, and, and some drafts have him later, and that's fine. If you take him like in the third, okay. But if you're talking like anywhere close, like to the early second or potentially earlier, I think to me that's that's way early on him. Um, and so he's somewhere I think I'm just not gonna not gonna be looking at unless he falls way down, and I might take a you know if I look at it as a flyer. Um, in terms of guys in the third round, uh, there's there's a number you know. It depends on really the NFL draft, right? And then um, how everything falls out. But Tyler Johnson is someone who, unless he gets drafted really high, I see is falling more and more. But he has that kind of um, the very predictable skill set. I think honestly, there's oh, it's all statistics, right? But the most predictable skill set to me is someone who's a productive route runner. Is that because if you can do that consistently and you can get open and a quarterback can depend on you you can get the ball, you can play in the NFL. Um, you have, you know, guys that are blazers that if they can't catch the ball or, or they can't fit in the offense. You have guys that are physical freaks that, you know, like, um, you know, Doriel Green Beckham or, or, you know, who, who just never translate their talent to the NFL field, um, their physical talent. But Tyler Johnson, I think, is a good guy. If, 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 I just seen it. He used to be in the second round, but he's falling more and more towards that, that third-round range. And I would, I mean, I would be very happy if I was sitting in the third round and uh, Tyler Johnson was was on the clock. We don't have any rookie draft data uh, yet because we haven't had a rookie drafts, but I can tell you as far as dynasty startups go, in the month of April with the FFPC, Tyler Johnson is going smack dab right between Alshon Jeffrey and Larry Fitzgerald at the end of the 16th round. Zach Moss going quite a bit higher, actually, uh, but he is uh, running back 37, going right uh, in lockstep with Ronald Jones at the end of the 8th round. So that's what you're looking at for rookies. Obviously, I think your, your, um, your rookie draft guesses as far as where they're going to go right now before they have NFL teams I think is spot on we'll see what happens uh, less than a week from today when we get the NFL draft and find out where these guys are going we know where we went tonight and that was straight to the top with our guest tonight Nick Sayers a double winner in the FFPC high stakes dynasty leagues last year Nick thanks so much for hopping on with us tonight certainly enjoyed your insights uh, your legal advice and everything you were able to give us. Uh, good luck in in 2020, man, and enjoy drafting season, all right? Hey, thank you guys both. Thanks for having me on. It was very nice to, to meet you. Uh, stay safe, and uh, good luck to everybody out there in fantasy and uh, in life with everything going on with COVID-19. Take care. Thank you. You too. Thank you, Nick. We appreciate that. That is Nick Sayers, the 500 number 46, the 250 number 104 champ from last year uh good stuff good in- insight into uh dynasty best ball too dave i, th- I think that's a uh, sort of an underrated platform that we offer with uh this is something that i think was clamored for about two or three years ago we started offering and it's it's taken off 
You know, and he was a really nice guy. So I, you know what? I'm gonna have to. Uh, he redeemed all attorneys, actually. He, <laughs> really? Yeah. So my all the Jack Hans of the world. Yeah, exactly. Jack <laughs> Hans. He, exactly. So he he's redeemed all attorneys. So now I, I take I walk back my comment from the prior right, week. Right. Yeah. We by the way we had no complaints though. No, we didn't. No. no. No arguments or complaints at all about what I said. Um, something I want to point out here on the show tonight. Um, we have had a lot of great dynasty champions on. Uh, since basically early February. And you always ask that question, well, who are you targeting later in your rookie drafts? Do you know who the overwhelming two guys that have been mentioned over and over again? We heard another one tonight. Minnesota wide receiver Tyler Johnson, South Carolina wide receiver Brian Edwards. These are guys that we need to look at. And and I think that they are going to go higher in drafts. And and I don't, well, I'll reveal it right now. Bob McGinn, uh, when he put out his, you know, rookie dynasty or you know his rookie rankings or whatever he had brian edwards as his number seven receiver which i thought was pretty high in a stat class and this is a guy that a lot of pundits were not thinking was going to go until maybe day three of the nfl draft a name to look out for and certainly the sharp minds of the ffpc are definitely in on both tyler johnson and brian edwards two names to file away all right so let's talk about before we get to fantasy feedback here I want to bring up a receiver from last year, Dave, that you and I were both down on. And I'm totally willing to admit I missed the boat on because I didn't get him anywhere. I don't know if you did. Uh, but that's DK Metcalf. Brian Schottenheiber says that uh, who's, who's um, the um, running backs coach for Seattle says that he, or excuse me, offensive coordinator, running backs coach, offensive coordinator says he's going to move DK Metcalf around. And he also says he feels good about Chris Carson and Rashad Penny coming back from season-ending injuries. Now, you remember DK Metcalf, the concern we had with him last year? He can run the nine route. He can't run the route tree. Well, he proved us wrong. He looked really good running the route tree last year and maybe could even take a bigger step forward this year. So this is a two-part question for you, Dave. Um, Are you a believer in Carson and uh, Rashad Penny in the backfield? And as far as DK Metcalf goes, would you be willing to take him as, say, a top 35, top 30 guy this year, uh, receiver-wise? Yeah, I mean, I think he finished – where did he finish last year? Right around there, right? Yeah, he's somewhere around there. He yeah, came I mean, on late. Yeah, he's going to be – he is definitely someone you would take in that range, and I think he will finish within the top 30. Okay. Um, I was wrong on that, by the way. He's being drafted as wide receiver 21 at the end of the that, fifth. Yeah, that seems more about – Seems high? No, that seems oh, that's more right. about okay. where he's – right. okay. that I would have expected him to be drafted. So, like, 30 seems like that would be really cheap. Um, Carson, I don't know. I mean – He's the starter, and they seem like they like him. Penny seems like he's a clearly kind of a boss. Coming off that ACL, too, that's, that's the issue for me. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going to invest in him. Um, I, have you, no interest in, I have no interest in Penny at all. Yeah. For, uh, obviously, for redraft, Dynasty by no, low? No, no, none. Okay. I mean, I guess if it's players getting cut or he's really cheap. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, you know what I mean? Like a third rounder, maybe? I don't know. Even then. Yeah, I would, I'd rather I have know. a third rounder. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's. I think you're right. No interest is, is the right is the right call on that. Um, Metcalf too. Why did we? I, I think this is a good exercise. Why why did we miss the boat on him? Why was he? Well, isn't it? I mean, the fact that we were I, we were concerned about his route running, and right. his ability to pick that up in the NFL, whether he could actually learn to cut or not. And you know, he didn't really demonstrate that super well, but he's really fast, really strong. And you don't, I guess, apparently when you're super fast and super strong like that, you don't necessarily have to have uh, a great three cone drill. You don't have to necessarily, you can round off your routes a little bit. Cause you're just, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. And it, you know, when you have one of the top four or five quarterbacks in the NFL throwing to you, it sure helps, you yeah. know, and, and 
there it's a low volume pass attack, but the, uh, Russell Wilson found him a lot. So I'll, I'll say this too. Um, this is totally stupid, but I'm going to say it anyway. I went to the Packers Seahawks uh, NFC divisional playoff game last year at Lambeau field. And I actually had um, field passes. So I was on the field before the game and we couldn't go to the Packers side of the field, but we got to go on the Seahawks side of the field and we got to see DK Metcalf warming up uh, prior to the game. And this dude, you know, it was like 30 degrees out. We're all bundled up. This guy is out there in shorts. He's got like a light hoodie on and he is chiseled, man. An absolute Adonis. And I'm not talking just about his chest and his bicep. Like his legs, you looked at his cast, there was not an ounce of body fat on him. It, it looked like, like honest, honest to God, like a Greek statue. Uh, and, and the way he ran routes, he just looked so fluid. And it's, it's one of those things to keep in mind that, you know, just because you think you have a guy pegged prior to the draft doesn't necessarily mean you're right about that. Um, and I, I think that's true of this year's draft class, too. Don't write anybody off given the depth of wide receiver. Let's move on and answer a few emails. We'll get to as many as we can tonight. The first one is from Joe in Frederick, Colorado. He writes, I read a rumor yesterday that said the Lions might be targeting a running back early in the second round next week. Should I be getting out of the carry-on Johnson business in both Dynasty and Redraft, even if they don't draft a running back? Thank you for the email, Joe in Frederick, Colorado. Dave, this is, I saw the same thing, that the Lions might be you know, getting Jeffrey Okuda, the corner from Detroit in the first round, or Isaiah Simmons, the linebacker from Clemson, but then going with a guy like Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, whoever it be early in the second round. And the fact that this is out there and Matt Patricia comes to the New England coaching tree where they have always utilized multiple backs, is on Johnson not the type of guy that you want to have, even as you're running back two on your fantasy football team? I mean, if you can get legitimate – decent draft capital or a player you like back for carry on Johnson right now. I think now is actually a good time to trade him. I actually think it was a good time to trade him a number of times earlier because of the fact that Patricia uses multiple running backs. I mean, it's, it just is what he does. Um, you know, and, that, and you say it's what he does until he doesn't. So like, I guess a question I have even internally with myself, you know, Miles Sanders had a really good year last year as a rookie. And I think that the Eagles are more apt because they think he's a big talent. Uh, to use him as more of a you know semi workhorse back, but uh, they they traditionally hadn't done it. So are the Lions going to ever do that with Carryon Johnson? I don't think so. No, I think you're right. So, um, Two hundred four for Carryon Johnson this year. What are you doing? What would you yeah, rather have? I'd rather have Carryon Johnson if someone offered that to me. Okay, all right. But if I if I and I do have him in one league um, out of eight, uh, if I got the one hundred nine or one ten, I'd probably I might take, okay. I might take that. All right. So it's not that far off. Really. Yeah, and the other thing to keep in mind, it's not like he's the pinnacle of health either. Well, he know? hasn't been, yeah. Yeah. But he's so, looked good. I mean, he has looked good in limited action. I mean, yeah. I thought he's – I think he's a pretty decent player. We'll get John Shaw on here, like, calling us out. Like, what are you talking about? on Johnson's the man. I will give whatever <laughs> it takes to get him on my roster. Uh, let's go to Mike in Miami. Now that Matt Breida is back in the fold in the 49ers backfield, are you two just staying away from that situation in drafts this season? Mike, thank you for the email down in South Beach. Matt Breida, Tevin Coleman, Raheem Mostert, Dave, and apparently they're bringing back Jarek McKinnon as well. Literally the whole band is there, and I want none of it. Yeah, which one is Pete Best? Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 he's the fifth Beatle, right? Yeah, he's the other guy. Who'd be the other guy out of the Niners? He, well, the well, the thing is, it's like <laughs> I don't think there's any Lennon and McCartney's in this backfield. Yeah, I that's think they're, they're all Ringo's. <laughs> 
You know what I mean? Like there's just there's no desirable guys that you want on this team. Yeah, Moster is pretty great. I, I think Mostert, I could be interested in Mostert. Um, just to give you a bit of background here, Raheem Mostert in FFPC redraft leagues is going at the 602 as running back 30. Um, I would assume Tevin Coleman is next. He is 1205 as running back 47. Brita has got to be super late. Yeah, he's not. I don't yeah, even he's see him probably, on Yeah, he's probably not being. 1708. And then uh, McKinnon is the other guy. 2606. 2308. So you're not running back 74. Okay, so Grant Moser's being drafted first, but for a reason. I mean, he did really, really well. Uh, didn't he win a? Didn't he win someone a half million dollars in the playoffs challenge? I believe he did. That is accurate. Hey, that's he's a half million. That dollar was guy. Uh, Austin Martin, right? Yeah, Austin yeah. Martin made more off Moser than Moser made in the playoffs. Uh, isn't that sick? Woo, I love it. I love fantasy. Um, let me ask you this: Is there any value in FFPC best balls in getting a Moser Coleman combo, or is that not something you? Yeah, I mean, there's. Sure. I mean, for someone, I don't like Coleman in general, so I, I, I just don't think he's all that good. He's hurt all the time. He's not that productive. I don't know why. I'm sorry, is that Tevin of... Coleman or Matt Breida or Jarek McKinnon you're talking about? Yeah, it's all those guys except for <laughs> Molster. Yeah. Well, is Molster now 40? You said he was an older guy. Like <laughs> he's 27? He, he's old. He might even – I don't I don't know. 28. I don't think he's um... – I was shocked when you said he was that old. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, he he's not young. I'm looking it up right now. Raheem Mostert is – he just turned 28 uh, so what eight he, days ago. Last he, week, he turned 28. Was he work, what was he doing? Was he, like, working at UPS? No, or no. Was he loading well, trucks or yeah, something? Yeah, he's for bouncing around. He was with the Eagles, Dolphins, Ravens, and Browns all in 2015. What, on, like, practice squad? Well, yes, exactly. Okay. He was with the Jets um, in 2016. No, I take that back, Dave. In 2015, he was with the Eagles practice squad. He was on the active roster for the Dolphins, Ravens, and Browns all in 2015. Jets practice squad in 2016. Then the Bears got him in 2016. They cut him, and then he's been with the Niners since then in 2016. So he's bounced around. All right. 5'10", 205 out of Purdue, undrafted in 2015. I wonder if he was an engineering major. Uh, is that a big thing at Purdue? Sure. Engineering? Yeah, so you would know. I would not. So it's, it's something. Jake and let, let's get to two more. Uh, Jake and Deerfield, Illinois. Dear Mel and Todd, not sure if you're putting much stock into the Beckham, into Odell Beckham potentially being moved to the Vikings or another team. But even if you're not, is he a must trade in dynasty drafts before the NFL draft? Hey, do you remember when Beckham was a good NFL player? Stay healthy, guys. That's Jake and Deerfield, Illinois. That was, yes, I was remember. Like three years ago. Okay, so you just don't think he's that good. The first two years of his NFL career were a fluke. Well, it's not a fluke is that he hasn't done anything in, in a number of years. And he keeps getting hurt, and he keeps on not doing anything. So this is, is this the year he – I keep here it's, – it's always, okay, is this the year he's back? Is this the fourth year is he's back year? I mean, how many years right. has he been bad now? Two? So is he a must trade? That's, that's the question. Do you need to get value for him now because his value is even going to plummet more? I, I, again, if I got an, a decent offer, you're not going to get decent offers for Beckham because everyone's buying, you know, trying to buy cheap. But if you can sell him for even what you would consider reasonable money, yes, I think I would be, I would sell him. Would you trade him for the 102 in Dynasty? Yes. The 103 in Dynasty. Yes. I bring that up because in FFPC startups right now, Dave, he is going at the 312, right ahead of C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy, who could be two of the top three picks in FFPC Dynasty drafts. So you'd be on board with that. I'm on board with moving back and for something in that range, yeah. Who'd you rather have, Odell Beckham or Cortland Sutton? Uh, Beckham, I guess. Odell Beckham or Kenny Galladay? Galladay. Odell Beckham or A.J. Brown? 
Brown for sure. Odell Beckham or Juju Smith-Schuster? I'd rather have Juju. Okay. All those guys are going ahead of him. Uh, let me ask you this for Dynasty. This is an interesting one, and we'll leave it at this. Odell Beckham or Julio Jones? Beckham. Julio's get, Julio is like – he's like expired milk at this point. Yeah, Julio is still going ahead of him in FFPC startups, but not by much. That's, that's crazy. That's, that's, that's a little I crazy. I know that Beckham's – how old is Beckham, 27? Uh, I don't think he's that old. Okay, I'm sorry. Why am I asking? I ask you the stuff as if like you're Google. You know, it's not your responsibility. I have Google in front of me, so that's fine. He turns 28 in November. Okay, so there you so go. He is that old. I guess he is that old. Um, I am not Odell Beckham's keeper. Final email tonight. <laughs> Good point. Let's get to it. Uh, it is who is this? This is Bill in Los Angeles. Okay, Bill. Hopefully you're staying healthy. What's up, Dave and Balky? While there's no question that the DeAndre Hopkins trade was a bad one for Houston, is there some good fantasy value for David Johnson after Bill O'Brien talked him up as a three-down successful running back? By the way, R.C. Fisher had an interesting article saying that there is a question as to whether it was bad for Houston. He actually does. He he thinks that it's been uh, that the text has been vilified a little bit. Deservedly so. However, I understand. The more I read about it, I can understand the opposite viewpoint. When you bring in contracts and everything with with this trade, it makes more sense from the Houston Bill O'Brien standpoint. Well, speaking okay, we were just talking about Beckham, right? And we were just talking. Yes. So, imagine you're the coach. You spend your whole 180 days a year around DeAndre Hopkins. He's your number one receiver. You're yep. the coach, right? Sure. Or the, yep. you know, and you also run the front office. Um, so you would know more than all the sports writers and people like us. And you so would on. think, yes. So when you see the behavior of people like Odell Beckham as he's been flakier and flakier, and you see what happened with Antonio, I'm no longer in the league Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, he's not, he's not Fitzgerald, right? I mean, that's all I'm going to say. Is, yep. So you're he, right. I mean, there might be, there might be unknown flaky situations. There's some known flaky situations yeah, so, with them. Exactly. So, yeah. By getting rid of this person, and then you have the contract coming up that you probably wouldn't sign him to a long-term deal, and he's getting up there, you know, not that much in age, but he's, you know, they probably wouldn't have him in three years, let's say, and they're not going to franchise him and do all this stuff. And they probably, and also R.C. Fisher, I'm using some of his points, he made the case, like, do you think he didn't check with Deshaun Watson if this would be okay to make the deal? I mean, he, he thought that, yes, he cleared it with the quarterback before he did it. So I, I think I kind of get it in a way where it's like he kind of thought he got max value, which... I would argue maybe he didn't, but uh, I get it. If it's a player that you aren't really high on, you know, you can move him. You got we got the 40th pick back, and he got David Johnson. Is that right? Uh, there was. And then he sold off uh, the 57th pick for Cooks. Yeah, right? but no, like but that. yeah, but they still have a second round pick though. I think they the got 40th, the 40th. The 40th. That, pick. that was back. from Arizona. Yeah, with David. And then Johnson. they traded their own second round pick to cooks for cooks, cooks yeah. right okay okay so those are different deals but yeah um yeah by the way rc fisher a former guest of this show check out his work at fantasyfootballmetrics.net and you can follow him on twitter at ffmetrics yeah, it, is, it is a pay site he does a very nice job he does an awesome job and by the way his writing you, is really really good. I, i'm going to tell you this right now if you are looking for a second screen experience while you're watching the nfl draft Log in to fantasyfootballmetrics.net. Get the real-time analysis of each pick. It is a laugh riot. It's pretty fun. It is great stuff. Don't go to .com because that site sucks. Right, exactly. Hey, um, <laughs> you didn't tell me about David Johnson, though. Oh, yeah. What David about? Johnson as a potential fantasy value this year. Before you answer that, I will tell you he is going as running back 25 in the last week, running back 25 at the 411 in FFPC best balls. 
that is right behind James Conner and J.K. Dobbins. It is right ahead of Mark Ingram and Damian Williams. Yeah, I like I like that a lot. It's going to be a decent offense. I know that Vegas wins numbers like seven or eight, so at least it's a like mediocre type team is what the, where they're projected. Uh, but David Johnson's a proven pass catching back. He's got Deshaun Watson throwing the ball. Uh, the receivers, at least, they're field stretchers if they're on the field. Uh, so I, I don't I don't have any problem with that yeah. at all. I think Johnson. I, I know he had a rough year last year. He's been dealing with injuries, but I, I think bounce back is in order for him. Think about going zero RB or you know going three receivers and a tight end uh, in FFPC drafts, and David Johnson's out there in the early fifth. That sounds pretty good it to does, me. It's not, it does sound good, and there's a legitimate chance that, let's just say there's X percent chance that he has a great year and is a top 12 back, and next year is going to the second round or first round. What are the odds of that? Like maybe 30%? Right. Well, that's pretty damn good. You know yeah. what I mean? 30% is good, and then you still have another range of possibilities that he performs around the draft spot, and then there's you know chances that he's a total colossal bust. So... One of, one of the other things to keep in mind with this David Johnson situation, Bill O'Brien gave up a third-round pick to acquire Duke Johnson from Cleveland. He Obviously, we know what he gave up to acquire David Johnson from Houston. He, I think the Texans' backfield is one of those rare situations where you can kind of draft it with confidence, not worrying so much about what they're going to do in the draft. Because quite frankly, with the draft capital they have, I don't think they can afford to spend an early round pick on a running back. I think it is going to be the Johnson and Johnson show. And David Johnson is the guy they acquired after they gave up the third rounder for Duke Johnson. He's going to be the man. He can catch passes. Um, apparently, they, he passed the physical with, quote, flying colors, according to Bob. And, and uh, he should be the man down there. And you have Deshaun Watson. It sounds like uh, Kenny Stills and Kiki QT might not be a part of that team next year. But when you consider that, that David Johnson's going to be in the backfield, you have Randall Cobb, you have um, Brandon Cooks out there. Um, I mean, there is some talent with Deshaun Watson uh, to, to, uh, to spray the ball around. So I'm starting to be more and more bullish on David Johnson, as crazy as that sounds. That is going to do it for episode number one of season number nine. I don't even think I said this at the top of the show. Oh, but I didn't is, even hear the music this, coming in. Was this, it, different? Uh, it was different, yeah. You'd like Shoot. it. Nappy Roots. Are you familiar with their work? Uh, I played it for uh, Aaron today. He loved it. He thought it was great. Nappy. Uh, that seems a little bit on the, uh, you know, on the reg- great, great, great side. Reggae yeah. tip. Eh, not really. Reggae? Not really. No, it's more rap. Um, uh, Kamish did not care for it. I'll be the judge of that. But uh, but Aaron loved it. So that oh, that's should nice. that should be the, the all you need to know there. Okay. What do you mean, Aaron? I don't like Aaron's taste in music. Okay. Who would you Even rather trust? New rap. Would I you rather trust Aaron or right? Or, Really? Yeah. Right. For what it's worth, this. Okay. I, I won't get into it. But right. Listen to like blues and jazz and stuff like that. That's yeah. actually stuff that. But I've not rap. Soul. This is not new rap. I'll just tell you that. All right. Well, fair enough. All right. So moving on. Speaking of not new rap, you'll like the outro. <laughs> I want to thank um, uh, Nick Sayers for coming on the show tonight, and good luck to him in all of his uh, fantasy leagues this year. Uh, awesome talking to him. Great insight from him. All right. So programming note. We are not going to be on the air next Wednesday, or excuse me, next Friday, because we will be on next Wednesday for uh, a special pre-NFL draft episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. That is at 10, 9 Central on Wednesday with 1250 Dynasty League number 15 champ Paul Brodkar will be our guest. Uh, check out the Best Ball Slims, Dynasty Orphans, and the main event. Don't forget about the FFPC app updates for both Android and iOS. Stay at home. Stay safe. 
and your weekend starts this now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. I'm saying hi to all the duties from around the way. Yeah, cause I got all of them strong jack. My girls are like boomerangs. No matter how far I throw them, they come back. I'm coming straight out to NYC. I'm down with digging in the crates and I'm in Yeah, it's, well, this is a uh, this is a Dizzle selection here. I know, but I like it. You get to hear the MVP a few times. In right. The, in yeah. The chorus here. Oh, I timed it out. It was great. <laughs> um, well, I always thought it was funny, and we were talking about this with Aaron at work today. Um, that the Big L has a song called MVP. I thought that was funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the other He's things. Dead, that, by the way. Yeah, he told me that. Aaron told me that. Today. First of all, I don't even know who Big L was. Never he heard was of some, him. Like, Rapper in the late '90s that uh, it was a really good lyricist, evidently. But, right. You know, I mean, at, at that time, I mean, now he's like compared to Eminem or whatever. Well, the so. point the point is, Aaron said all these new MCs have all have tracks like R.I.P. Big L. He's like, how have you never heard that? I'm like, I don't know, I never have. I don't. <laughs> I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Um, That's funny. Okay, so the other thing I wanted to mention was um, I talked to you about how I was trying to deal all these guys in Car- in our Blake Carrington Dynasty League yeah. uh, because I have these all these high draft picks that I want to keep. I think I have made my peace with cutting certain players because I'm realizing I'm not going to be able to move these guys for future picks. Um, is it, how long is this going to be here? I mean, no, no, we're done. We're done. Uh, I would <laughs> say like the best, the, the two best guys I have that I'm cutting were handcuffs, uh, Reichwell Armstead, who I was He's holding. Garbage. Well, I didn't think it was garbage because there was talk that the Jags yeah. could let Fournette go All and right. then it would be Armstead. And then Bonifant, Reggie Bonifant. Oh, from Carolina. All right, we're wasting time talking about that. Okay, well, we're going to talk about it then. But I just – Christian McCaffrey's handcuff, I just – He's not a handcuff. He's a pile of shit compared to McCaffrey. But he wouldn't be a pile of shit if McCaffrey went down. He couldn't down. even, like, carry his, like, cleats. He he would, I don't care of carrying his cleats. He's got to carry the football across oh, the goal line. Geez. That's that's all I needed. All right, so now I'm really at peace with it, cutting those guys. I might just cut them tonight. <laughs> Welcome to Season 9, everybody. Oh, Thanks man. for listening. Bonifant.